Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Now I have to think that I, <laughs> that I piss off any part of my team who may listen to this, forget to mention it. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. AB Testing Podcast. That's where you are right now. It's episode 149, edging up on the big 150, which we have absolutely no celebration plans for, but 150 is coming up. And I am Alan, and I am here with the one and only, the B, the B <laughs> side of the 45 that makes up AB Testing. Introduce yourself, Brett Jensen. Uh, hi. I'm, yeah, there we go. Bring I'm in Brent. the energy. Bring in the energy. <laughs> did I ever tell you? Did I ever? I did something once that I don't know if I ever told you. you there was one podcast you came in with such low energy that I ended up taking the time to speed you up <laughs> in editing to make you move just a little bit faster and to try and bring a little energy to your voice. Hey, everybody. So, uh, so yeah, and hopefully that won't be today, but, uh, you know, it's just something I've done before. I do what I can to make this the, uh, the best podcast in the world called AB testing, which I think it is. I think it's in the top five of all the podcasts named AB testing. Yeah. I, it's in I the top completely five agree. Of all the podcasts named AB testing. So, uh, here we are. Uh, how's it going, Brent? <laughs> Uh, it's been, it's been an exciting week. Uh, and by exciting, I mean, draining is all hell. Yeah, mine has been, and I want to get to that a little bit later, talking about some new things for me happening at unity and what it's doing to my, uh, what to me, but yeah, you know, stuff happens. I'll just say like today. So my, my organization has rolled out. No meeting Fridays. Oh, good, 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 good. That's something oh. I want to talk about more later in the podcast. So how's that well, going? How many meetings uh, did you have on no meeting Friday today? Oh, uh, it's been back to back. It's funny because I talked to, it's been something that's in place for a while. And I talked to my senior executive. So he and I have a, a quarterly one-on-one and he brought it up because he was, I, I think he was, he uses me as a sounding board a lot of the time. I don't know how often he does this with everyone, but he knows because uh, we have a long relationship. Uh, he knows that I will truthfully answer any question uh, that is asked of me. Um, sometimes even the ones I'm like, please don't ask that question. I don't want to answer it. <laughs> so he's like, Hey, so how do you, how do you feel about the, the no meaning Fridays? I'll, I'll call him Bob. Did he ask is... you this in a meeting on a Friday? No. Okay. It was, it's just it wasn't a meeting. It was not on a Friday. All right. And I said, um, I'm going to call him Bob to protect the innocent. But I said, Bob, if you wanted to punish the managers in your org, there are far more direct and meaningful ways. Because <laughs> what I found, what I found was what's any. He laughed and then he, he asked, okay, why am I saying that? And I said, well, here's what's happening is every PM and their mother is 
now in order to honor this is now trying to squeeze every second of meeting time on oh. Monday through Thursday. So, okay. Let, let me... No one, no one's willing, no one's willing, no one's willing to cancel. And uh, when I'm quadruple booked, like they're getting upset when I am not choosing their meeting. Yeah. So, and I'm like, all right, I, I'm going to I'm going to have, have this conversation because uh, this yep. is actually something indirectly or as part of a group of things I wanted to talk about today, which is oh. what are the uh, and we'll get into the whole idea on work perks. But this is interesting. Let's talk about A-B testing for a second and I'll get back here. Not a tangent. This is a story like I know what I'm doing. It's a story. No, it's not a story like that. You oh. seven, you child of the 70s. What happens if you take away all the testers on the team and don't give people a framework or ideas on how to be successful with that? Chaos. Ball? Chaos. So what happens if you go to no meeting Friday and you don't tell people how to make it work? It's, it's what happens if you tell people to stop doing things and, and don't tell them what yeah, to do. You need, they, they, they have find to have new ways why. to create chaos and destruction. Yeah. So one thing I have been very fortunate and I have a packed schedule and I'm someone who gets someone to manage my calendar for me and she freaks out over my calendar. But despite that, and I'll tell you some reasons for why that is in a minute, 99 plus percent of my meetings are 100% effective uses of my time. I don't have those fluff. I don't have meetings where people are like, this could have been an email. This could have been a Slack message. So I'm lucky there. And that's been true over my nearly five years at Unity now. So I, but when you move to a four day week, you need to provide guidance on how it works. Does it mean four 10 hour days? No. Does it mean uh, if you're going to no meeting Friday, does it mean you cram all the meetings from the rest week into the from Friday into one day, not necessarily. I think it, it's supposed to give you an opportunity to prioritize and look at what's important. Unity gave uh, all of the employees just some random Friday holidays over the summer, and people were pretty good about examining whether or not they needed to cram five days of meetings into four days. If that's happening, there's just some more context and discussion happening. It's about optimizing the time. Because I brought up four day a week earlier, I, this, not this last summer, summer before last, I uh, had some vacation that uh, was well to use. One thing different I discovered the hard way at Unity compared to Microsoft. At Microsoft, you would always accrue vacation, and it was only at the end of the year when if you you had a, a maximum amount you could carry over to the next year. What I discovered without paying attention is that Unity, you actually stop accruing vacation once you hit the max. So I noticed that I was no longer accruing vacation days. And because it was the early days of COVID, this was the summer before last, I decided I would take every Friday off in the summer. Mm. And so I essentially assigned myself a four-day work week. And it worked. I was so much more energetic after that extra day off that I was able to be as productive in 32 hours as I was in my normal 40, give or take, depending on the week. So I could see how that could work. But it also meant that you know, I had a few more meetings on those days, but I kind of was okay with it because I knew I'd have the extra rest time, but it, it can work. But if you're going to do it company-wide or organization-wide, it would require some guidelines, a little bit of education, some discussions, some retros, etc. The reason I want to talk about 
uh, no meeting Fridays, four day work weeks is because I'm opinionated about the topic. I was invited into a focus group with our HR department to talk about workplace innovation. What could we do differently? What could we try and what should we consider? What what should we put on the plate to think about what could we do differently to make Unity an even better place to work? And what's interesting is they gave us a spreadsheet for people to add their ideas. You're not going to be surprised. People added a lot of incremental things like maybe one more Friday off a month or let's have some social events and little tweaks that are all really good and things we should consider doing. Nothing's off the table. You want to have incremental things and big things. The things I put on the list were four-day work weeks, at the very least a a meeting-free Friday. Uh, things like, oh, here's, here's one I put on there, uh, vacation stipend. In addition to paid vacation, give everybody a thousand dollars worth of reimbursable money to use on a vacation to make them actually do a vacation away from their hometown, you know, pay for them to get away. Mm. Unity has moved away. Another one is Unity has moved away from, uh, fully remote work, even though actually with my new org, we'll talk about in a bit. About 16% of my org is currently fully remote, and I would hire more fully remote people, but we're putting a pause on that for now. I think we go back. I think we should go back to that. Uh, a lot of things about transparency, but anyway, big things. I wanted to talk about it, and like just before I pressed record, Brent and I were talking about like other perks we get. And Unity is really good, for example, on just things we get today on health benefit, like health, not just, not just, um, health care or insurance, but we get enough money to cover my gym membership for the entire year, even though I took a few months off because, you know, a pandemic, but also to buy a new, a new backpack, sleeping bag, a tent all covered. It, so that's pretty cool too. Um, but what I'm curious, uh, we don't have to do like a macho comparison contest between, Microsoft <laughs> and Unity or other companies, but I'm just kind of curious. Either what something Microsoft offers, something you've thought of. What are some other cool? This would be great one to pop it on the Slack channel. One of the three Go to moderntesting.org, get an invitation. I'm curious what other cool ideas companies are doing to you know perks that are that make it fun. Another one I thought of like just uh, peer bonuses. Uh, which is something that Google has done in the past. I don't know if they still do it now, but just some things to help reward people and give people that little attaboy, which is important. And little things like $100, $200, those things like that. Anyway, I am going a mile a minute and I'll slow my voice down later, but does that tickle any any bells for you? That's a mixed metaphor, but go for it. Yeah, so we have we have a perks thing as well. Like uh, it just changed. Uh, it used to be so one of the benefits at Microsoft was um, uh, an annual subscription to the Pro Club gym. And for those not anywhere near the Washington area, uh, Pro Club, I would say by far is it's probably literally where the pros hang out back in the day when i worked at microsoft and i used to go to the pro club i would see sonics there every morning the sonics I, were a basketball team that used to exist in seattle before it before um it got screwed up and they went to oklahoma anyway go on supersonic uh speaking of which seattle you, supersonic yeah you paying attention at all to the kraken oh yeah 
Oh, are you? All right. All right. All right. I, we're, I am we're... I am all in on the Kraken. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I started well, Kraken season started right when the Mariner season ended, so that was handy for me. Yeah. Um, it's overlapping soccer. I'm a big Sounders fan, so they get my ultimate attention, but I am going to be and again, I don't have cable TV, so when they're on a channel I can stream, I will watch the Kraken regularly. On the reg, as they say. But nobody the, says that. Anyway, go on. No one does say that. So the so the pro club, I would I I would guess is probably by far the best gym in the Pacific Northwest of hands the down. It is it is the lap of luxury gym. Yeah. You just cannot imagine the sheer size of this place and how nice it is and how well upkept it is. It, I I cannot explain it. I can't either. I can't either. Uh, but then Microsoft sort of changed it, changed the policy to say, okay, we have options now. We can we can pick the pro club, or we can do some amount of money, uh, and it was less than the value of the pro club uh, annually. But you could do some amount of money for anything that you want, as long as you could justify that it was for like physical fitness type of thing. So yeah, uh, sounds, sounds pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, you could like, you could use it to, to what is that cool bike that everyone's getting? I don't have, it starts with a P. The doesn't uh, matter. It doesn't matter. I got to let it go. Yeah. The, so there's a lot of like exercise services. People are buying, you know, a year at a time. They were buying like little, little in-house equipment things like that. Well, they've now expanded it. So it's now literally, you talked about perks. It's literally called perks and it's still less than the total for pro club, but they grew it. it it's, it's got a larger budget on a per employee basis. And it's also a lot more flexible. Right, but, but, but that's just, that's just cash to take care of yourself. What I'm talking about perks like masseurs at work or, Dinners sent to your house once a week or like what are companies doing? Well, so my my company, at least my organization, it's not Microsoft, but the organization has done things like that. They will will use their morale budget uh, and, and disperse it through employees. Like last year, I got a really nice gift basket from Harry and David's. Um, I've bought some board games and things like that, right? I'm talking about like regular perks for recruiting or kind of things that make a company a unique place to work. Yeah, there's nothing like There's not going to be anything at Microsoft, but you surely do. Yeah. Are are you one of those Microsoft people who never talks to anyone outside of Microsoft except for like me? Yeah, sadly, last couple of months, that's probably, that's. Yeah, so I'm. No, that literally is true. I would guess among the three, there's some ideas. So I'm going to go with you. I've been. Racking my brain, trying to think outside of the box. I really like this idea of vacation stipend. Uh, yeah, I like I like the vacation stipend. Or like, right? maybe we buy some. Maybe we buy like a you know a handful of condos in Hawaii or some other places and and give people vacation you know cheap vacation rental. Uh, yeah, actually, interesting. So a, a corporate timeshare that that yeah. might be that yeah. Might be now, now you're getting outside the box with me. I really like. I really like the peer thing that Google does. I adore that. I've been actually thinking about 
could I get away for years? I've been thinking about, could I get away with doing that? Like I have my own budget. I can segment it and say, all right, I'll let my team own 50% of it. But I I've kind of, if that goes sideways, I could see all sorts of really troubling things that I would then have to resolve. Yeah. 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 And and you just keep an eye on those. And like, um, I remember Whitaker telling me a story, somebody on his team did something massively cool and 27 people or something, which I'm sure is exaggerated knowing Whitaker, but a whole bunch of people gave him a peer bonus. So his boss and HR going, Hey, what's going on? Said, no, he just did this. They go, okay, cool. We don't have peer bonuses directly, but I do have a pretty free pool of spot bonuses that I use. I use myself, but now my team, is used to me enough. They go, Hey, I think so-and-so should get a spot bonus. I go, Hey, I'll take care of that. So that's the way we sort of, it's, it's sort of facilitated spot bonus. Yeah, actually. And I know, I know Salesforce, uh, they don't have a regular bonus. They only have spot bonus. Yeah. It's the same here. Only, only uh, director pluses have re- a regular bonus, and it's, and it's actually tied directly to company uh, company revenue and performance. But everyone else, I, I try and make liberal use of my spot bonus budget. So uh, looking for more ideas on perks. Uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. I told you my cool ideas. We should talk about, did we talk, I know we talked offline about my new uh, title which actually I've got a letter from HR announcing it and, but it hasn't been announced internally. So I probably will. I'll just leave it at that. You can use your guesses, but I do have a much bigger organization now, which I don't believe we've talked about on the podcast might be worth talking about that for two reasons. One is the scope of what we cover and the mission of that team. And the other one is challenges that come when you add 80 people to your organization in one fell swoop <laughs> is is that challenging listen 10 minutes longer and find out <laughs> all right there's the in ep ch the in episode cliffhanger so let's talk about the first part of that which is which one was that uh, oh the scope so i think i've mentioned on the podcast before um Oh boy, a couple, we had two reorgs happen at once. One took a little longer to happen. One was actually pretty quick. So we've done two things with this latest reorg. One is easy. We've, uh, Unity up until a week ago had two different documentation orgs for customer facing documentation. There was, uh, my org had, um, a handful of people, 12, 15, who, wrote the documentation for all of our customers who use services, things like ads, analytics, uh, some of our new Unity gaming services features, uh, cloud save, uh, et cetera. Uh, we had that team plus another documentation team focused on just basically everything else, editor, engine, some of the verticals we support, things like that. Okay. We decided it made sense to merge those into one org and just have one documentation org, which is kind of a no-brainer. So we merged those other documentation folks into my team. Everybody's working together. We're already finding some good areas for alignment. Uh, it, with that part of the reorg, we knew it was going on for a while. So we were able to 
get people talking, get things set up. So that's stage one. Part one, it's not even a part one, part two, part A, part B, because they both happen at the same time. But anyway, I now manage documentation for all of Unity's external documentation. So if you are a Unity user and you go, man, I can't figure out how to use this thing because the documentation is whack, you can message me and I'll I'll make sure it gets fixed. Not okay. on Twitter. Uh, anyway, uh, hopefully I don't open up a floodgate right there. But <laughs> uh, and again, I think like our engineering, Please. a lot of times I tell our engineering team that we are a solid B. We're a B engineering team. We have so, it's good. It's a 3.0. It's awesome. We need to be a 4.0. So we're gonna we're we have some work to do there. Uh, and again, documentation answers the question: What does a user need in order to be successful with this feature or product? And we give you a solid 80, 80 to 88% of that. We need to get to the high 90s. The other thing that happened was we had uh, a sister organization, a brother organization, a peer organization to my org, which focuses on service infrastructure, CI, CD for those systems, et cetera. There's a peer organization at Unity that did that handles all of the. This will bring you way back to the 2000s, Brent. The same infrastructure, CI/CD deployment, test farms, etc., for our desktop software. Okay. Yeah. So that team is now part of my organization as well. Well, that's good, and it makes sense because both teams have CI/CD. Both teams do testing. Both teams. It's, it's a lot of overlap. It's good. We're going to get everything working together, but it's kind of fun because they're some of the challenges they still have are some of the problems that I remember solving, or at least being a part of solving in the past. Things like test selection, test prioritization, uh, machine usage. We actually have some of our own lab slash data centers we use to do uh, build and test in. We leverage uh, external services and vendors. It's a whole bunch of cool, fun stuff. So many opportunities to learn. Fun. Lots of new stuff. That's old stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a world. I mean, the it's a world you used to know. It is. It is. But one thing I'm realizing is on one hand, they're very different. But on the other hand, data centers and cloud infra aren't really that different. If you think about the transition, we went from machines full of labs to shoving those machines into a data center to calling that data center the cloud. Yeah, I'm I'm oversimplifying. Just send your hate mail yeah. to me. No, it's not it's not a bad simplification. Not at all. Yeah, so I have those plus there's a few other things in my org just for completeness. Someone asked me to draw it out once and I should do that. So I have uh, documentation, all of the support. So for everybody building stuff and deploying stuff, all of that stuff. Also, localization is in my org because that overlaps deeply with documentation as well as the engineering system because we do things like make sure we can make sure all the things we build, we can do pseudo look builds for. Pseudo look for those aren't in who haven't had to deal with that before. It's It's fake localizing something via some regex pattern to make sure your localization process works and to make sure your process your you are localizable. Lorem ipsum. Yes, lorem ipsum. Yep. And uh we have of course we mentioned a couple episodes ago Melissa Eden manages a team doing quality coaching across 
500 plus engineers, plus she just manages special projects. And then I have, uh, we've centralized uh, program management for my overall org under me. And remember, Brent, program management to me and the rest of the industry is different than what they call program managers at Microsoft. These are people that focus on the how and the when of what we build a product or program a lot of times at Microsoft. It's the why and the what. I think the TPM is done, technical program management has done, if you look at it as the, the, uh, the how and the when, is very much an engineering aspect. So that's in my org as well. We drive, So we can drive our engineering practices across the rest of our org. There is, I don't know if I've ever told you my team's mission. So I use this mission statement for my old team on Cloud Infra and my new team seems okay with it unchanged. And it may ring a bell. Uh, there may be some copyright infringement here. Oh boy. <laughs> Accelerate the success of engineering teams at Unity in delivering high-value products and services that our customers love. Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all. No, it shouldn't, man. That is yeah. O-Ridge. <laughs> it's O-Ridge. Ice, ice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Now I have to think that I, <laughs> that I piss off any part of my team who may listen to this, forget to mention it. So one thing I should mention is... So maybe it goes right into my next topic, which is my new team is of those 80 people I added, almost all of them are in Europe. A few, I have a few more okay. in Montreal, but I've added 50 plus in Denmark and uh, another 20 in Brighton, England, and then a few sprinkled in Montreal and around the rest of the world. Nice. So you're doing a good job on, on, making sure you're hiring people in into nice places to, to spend uh, ex, uh, expense budget on to, well, to fly here, out. Right. Here's the deal. Um, for you some reason, a- I don't think it's, I don't know if it's because they think we won't go out in the sun and enjoy ourselves and work more, but unity is highly concentrated in, I'll say Northern locales. We do have a San Francisco office, but Copenhagen, Finland, England, Seattle. We we err on the side of North. We don't have Costa Rica, Hawaii, New nope. Zealand. <laughs> so you need to create a like a, a a sub in like Cancun. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, so I, I do have to say that I have had a lot of people in the new org or who are part of the the uh, what would I call it the my new peeps. The new people in the org have. Not only have they reached out to chat to me, which has been great because I actually, I can be somewhat proactive. I mean, I've already, I have regular one-on-ones with my new directs. Challenge number one, we can talk about, we can go in any of these you want. Challenge number one, 15 direct reports right now. I can talk about how I'm dealing with that. Not horrible, not great. Challenge number two already accomplished is I have now set up, not recurring yet, but at least I have some meetings on the calendar with all of my skip level managers so I can meet with all the leads I haven't talked with before. But I've been pleasantly surprised that I've already had a good handful of people reach out to me and say, hey, we should chat. And inevitably when I chat with them, they've already done an appropriate amount of internet stalking. I had talked to a person this morning who said, hey, I listened to your podcast, got halfway through and I thought, no, I'm going to wait until I talk to you and then I'm going to go back and listen so I can get to know you better. And what I'm finding is other people have either read stuff, listened to podcasts, seen, what I've come, seen where I've come from. 
a lot of alignment. They go, hey, I like the way you think. And I said, I don't really think myself. I just highlight what I already see, which I've realized is a lot of my management style. So anyway, challenge number one, 15 direct reports. Challenge number two, time zones. So I start my day at 6.30. I am pushing hard to not start at 6. As you can imagine, with uh, Denmark being nine hours ahead, so we have yeah. eight hours ahead in England, nine hours ahead in Denmark, and 10 hours ahead in Finland. My 6.30 to 9.30 or so, it's I'm jam-packed every morning, 6.30 to 9.30, every day. And to make matters worse, I have a pre-plan. I'm taking two days off to go backpacking next week. Uh, so stuff's going to get crammed in a little bit. The week after is all sorts of triple booking, but I have a... I have an EA who will take care of figuring all that out, but I do have calendar jam. It's not. Did you say, I'm sorry. Did you say you're working six 30 to nine 30? Well, no, I'm working. I start at six 30, but my meeting, I usually get some breaks, some gaps beginning about nine 30, six 30 to nine 30 every morning is. Oh, oh, every morning. Okay. Not six 30 AM to nine 30 at night. No, the good news is for those of you going, Hey dude is, uh, I do stop every day at three 30 or earlier. Oh, so you're still managing to work a, a, a normalish day. Normalish. It's a little more than eight hours a day, but I also practice work life blend. Like if I have an hour break, I'm off taking the dog a walk. If I have an hour and a half break, I'm running off to the gym where someone can completely disregard mask rules and, and just be a dick. But that's a different story. But I, I blend that time versus work a solid day. It's the new way of working from home. So I have number of reports and size of team to expand to. And the challenges are just, I guess I mentioned this a little bit last time, how to make a connection with everyone. I am going to, I have, believe it or not, I think I am this close to getting approval from our people that control these things to be able to go to Copenhagen for a week. Because in just adding 50 people there, the, I think the best thing I can do is just go spend a week there and hang out with people. Yeah, I think in in bringing other other of your directs along with you would be good too. Yeah, it's tough to get right now. It's tough to get permission. I think at this stage, I'll just go this time. I think it'd give them all a chance to either learn to trust me a little bit or learn to hate me, but they won't be in the middle at least. At least I'll know where I stand. Yeah, ambiguity is the worst. I, I agree with that. One of the things I was, so the one thing that was the worst for me, so there was years ago where I was the dotted line manager of a person in, in Hyderabad, which is nearly literally, you know, one half a day apart. And that was difficult. That was difficult because we, we had to trade off. Um, between so what we did is we, we, every week we swapped between morning or evening, morning or evening. And I, and I'm generally a, an early bird. I think you are as well. That's why we did the podcast originally at, at eight in the morning, eight in the morning. So the, when it was my turn to stay up late, uh, it was torturous. There were times where I'm like, it is so past my bedtime. I'm just going to say, uh-huh, sure. Uh-huh, sure. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, interesting, because I even find, just because of Zoom fatigue, if I have a three o'clock one-on-one, 
you don't get a good one-on-one from me. I try and limit those and just try and do meetings where I can listen in late afternoon as much as I can because I get fried. Yeah, I, I've i learned that as well. Like I, and there, there's actually some science on this one um, that morning meetings are better. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And what I find that my happiness is directly correlated to how many hours before I leave work consistently do I have free. Right. And so I, I can spend I can spend the last few hours before I leave, you know, closing out all the or many of the things that I couldn't close out because I was in meetings all damn day long. Yep. And so ending the day with with you know the little checks in the little box, oh that feels so much better. It does. It does. So <laughs> yeah. I want to. I want to actually get to uh, the the to- uh, re-emphasize. I didn't put it very clearly before, but mm. so what advice do you have for me? I'm, and you, I don't know if you've done. I don't think you've done this particular challenge before, but you've been around leadership enough. So I have. Uh, I guess the biggest one. Maybe just address one, which is, what tips do you have for when your your team in one. In, in a moment, in a moment in time, adds 80 people. What advice would you have for me? I don't, I don't know that I, so I have, I have regular advice, right? It's things I think we've talked about before and right. The absolute key thing, uh, I'll, I'll fall back to what is, what is it? The, the cliche storming, forming, Norman, norming, right? That's, that's what you need to do. You need to very rapidly lay down principles that identify or that construct an intrinsic team identity. Like what is your, the identity for your organization? You, like here I'm just sharing things mostly for the audience because you do this naturally very well. Right. Uh, you know, you're going to need rallying cries. You know, you're going to need to set some principles in place. You know, you're going to need to create, create freedom, create engagement, but get people bought into the identity that is associated with your missions. When you go and you talk to those folks, I, 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 I'm thinking through several things that you've done here at Microsoft, like some of my favorite things that you did when you were running, uh, what the hell was that thing? Engineering excellence. No. So there was a period of time where you were oh, running like a uh, Q tech, the quality Q-tech. testing, quality yeah, yeah, and testing yeah. experts community. Yeah. Q tech. That was the name of it. I was like, it was similar to tag, except it was after you left it was the group. funded. Right. So QTech was interesting. Uh, like my favorite ones that you came in with were ones where you just had questions. That was the only agenda. You had questions. And, and then it ended up and then you had an exercise where people could sort of come in and and add value, add additional context. And people walked out with the right identity 
connection. And the words you didn't mention there, that's something that mm. I believe in strongly, which we have talked about before, it was community. Yeah, trying community, to generate community. Yeah, community. I, I think that's actually it, right? You need to generate community between your your future staff and that it, the community needs to be aligned to right a an employee a mutually beneficial identity uh, and uh, the identity and what i mean by mutually both both the employee and the missions you're trying to take on right you want you want to generate energy with these folks have them feel like okay they're here for the right reasons they they can actively contribute and that that your mission is important yeah. Well, I find it again, uh, you're right. I do find purpose important and uh, being able to tie your work to a purpose is important, which goes into, I've had a couple talks with the teams. I did two hours of one for your, I end up one worth mentioning is given non overlap between West coast, especially in Europe for a lot of my bigger meetings. I've done this before. I just fully embraced it now. I do a Europe and an America's version of a lot of my meetings. I just do the meeting twice. Well, I, sure. And that, that makes sense, right? It, the other thing you can do to be fair is do the meeting, do, do the meeting once, record it, and yeah. then switch, so switch, I, I switch did, off uh, between the audience. So last week, on right after the reorg, I did two full hours of AMAs, uh, one for Europe, one for America's. And as I'm, as you can tell from my reading between the lines, my there's a shift in my org. My org is mostly European now. Uh, great questions, a great way to learn, uh, to begin to earn some trust on the team. And then something I've done for a while is that every other week I do an all hands. I don't call it an all hands. I just call it a, just a team bi-weekly. I, it's a half hour of just, whatever I think is relevant. So the goal behind this is I led with, for this first one with everybody there is the reason behind this meeting is, uh, and you can probably relate to this. I've been in jobs in my life and against all Microsoft to compare with, where I didn't know what was going on. Nobody told me why decisions were being made. I knew nothing. It was hard to do good work because I could not get purpose from my work. I didn't know why what I was doing was important. And then other times when I had some more transparency, I enjoyed my work more. And because I enjoyed it more, I did better work. So the purpose behind this meeting that I've done for a while is transparency and the, the agenda is easy. I think about what are the big things that going on with my day to day that the rest of my organization may not know about. And we talk about that and it's everything from sometimes it's planning. It's how we do promos, how we do budget things that your frontline manager, frontline IC may not know about just so nothing's hidden. Uh, something I've thought about, one of the perks I recommended going back to the previous topic is more open meetings. A lot of people at Unity have closed calendars. You can't see what's on them. My calendar is wide open, but I think I want to invite people to not one-on-ones, of course, but if there's a meeting, uh, I think most of my meetings, I can actually invite people if they just want to come in and listen. I can make that an optional thing they can do. But back on the other subject is we just talked about the culture I want to have, which is Something I mentioned before, it's something I they get now uh, or they're getting with the new folks. Transparency, accountability, and psychological safety. We went deep into those. But one bit of culture shock I got, which is interesting from some of the people, 
is a very interesting and I think okay culture shock to have is their reactions to their first week in the org has been, oh my God, this is so transparent. I'm not used to this, which I will take. Yeah, I view that as a positive. Yeah, I'm going to take that one for good. (laughs) There is such a thing as over-transparent, but in this case, like some of the way you tell the story. I got to walk the talk. You know, whenever I join a, a first, like I have a, I have my first speech. Whenever I join a team or, or whenever I get a new hire, like the, the, the very first speech I have with them is that I, I just, I'm just transparent. I'm like, look, I am going to do everything I can in my power. I'm telling you in words right now. But I'm going to tell you uh, that my actions will follow up. I am going to work hard to earn your trust. I, I, the, I have found that gaining the trust of my organization uh, repeatedly is the path towards Greatness. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I talked about this is this is Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. Without trust, you can't have conflict. And what I call conflict is the ability to drive for alignment, the ability to disagree. Without trust, you can't have a meaningful meaningful decision making. And without that, you can't have uh, accountability, or you can't have buy in because people aren't bought in because they don't feel like their voice has been heard. Without that, you can't. People aren't going to feel accountable. And if people don't feel accountable, you're not going to get results. So, yeah, one gazillion percent agree. You'll, you'll, I, I, I kind of disagree with the last one. You'll get results, uh, right? Well, okay, all right. But it, it'll Semantics. be the no. The, it, <laughs> so I'll tell them. Uh, I'll tell them why. So you and I have talked about this many a times around you know where ideas come from and the difficulties of knowledge work, right? But if you don't have earned, if you haven't earned their trust. Right. As a as a leader. And in your case, I say it was even worse. Right. Essentially, you're a senior executive at Unity now. And as as that, if you haven't earned the trust of your folks and you need to derive results uh, at the end of the day, certain decisions you may or may not have to make. I like I know Unity is a little unique. um, But. If decisions are made and an organization doesn't have trust, uh, then you can't rely on the intelligence of the hundreds of people underneath you to come to you when it's necessary to to inform yes. you that your idea is stupid as hell. Right, you, right. you don't have with because you need that psychological safety. This is why transparency and accountability and psychological safety to me go together. And I told them flat out, I said, I can tell you all day that I'm a good guy and you should trust me, but you totally shouldn't because you don't know me yet. So here's, here's the walk. Here's the, here's the talk I want to walk. And we're just gonna have to practice this until we learn to trust each other. We'll get there, but you know, everybody's going to get there at their own pace. That's all I can do for now. And then, and in the meantime, walk the talk and slowly get people on board. Some people are there already. Some people will take months and that's, or maybe even longer. That's fine. That's my job. 
Yeah, the the thing for me, so I don't ever tell my staff this, right? I view it as it's my job to earn their trust. And what I don't tell them is they have my trust immediately. Because I think that is the way to, to lead by example, right? And uh, so for me, is trust is immediately granted until repeatedly shown uh, it's not deserved. Yeah. Right. And, but I tell my employees, I want them to treat me exactly the opposite. I, I am the worst evil pointy haired manager until I prove otherwise. Yeah, the uh, overlap to that is, uh, I, I know I've mentioned on the podcast about Maxwell's five levels of leadership. I'm only going to do the first two. First, you're put in a position of leadership, and that's what I've been given with this new org. But then I I need to get people to give me permission to lead them. And that's really yes. just trust. And that's what I'm so working on right now. 100% true. Maybe 110. Ooh, but as a, as a data scientist, you know, that's not actually possible. 110%. Um, you, you can have things be uh, more than 100%. But not. But as a human, I can only give you 100%. Uh, no. I only I only have 100% to give. It depends on if it's if it's relative or and not. And on this episode of the Spinal Tap version of A-B testing. <laughs> but, my, give- but my effort goes to 11. All right. So... Okay. Oh. This will be an ongoing, probably not every episode, just, and you're welcome. Uh, but interesting challenge where I'm at, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And for those of you in my new org listening to me babble on here for the first time, I apologize and I'm sorry. And we'll talk more, and you can tell me all the things that you don't believe or don't like. That's totally fine. Or you don't have to listen. I don't make people listen. Yeah, I kind of prefer when, when, when my staff doesn't listen. I know. It, it, it kind of freaks <laughs> me out when people I know listen to the podcast. Yeah. I oh, For me, it's easy. Oh, sorry. Some people say, <laughs> hey, I listened to episode 146. What was that about? And I said, um, I don't remember. Whatever was on my mind. Yeah, yeah. All right, dude. I got to go to yeah, a Yeah, I got to go too. Thanks for the time. Yep, uh, once again, uh, episode one. 49. The next one's the big 150. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. We'll see you later. Rock and roll.